Hello guys, welcome. Uh, this is More Like Christ. My name is Jordan Round and um, yeah, it's been a little while. Sorry about that. I've just been super busy with, with work and, and studying. So, but we're here, we're ready. And uh, today we're going to be following on from my previous video, uh, which was all about what is being saved? What does that mean? So uh, if, if that's your question, then I'd point you back in that direction. Um, but today we're going to be looking at, so once I've become a Christian, do I need to be worried about doing anything else after that? Is, is that it? Or is there more that I need to do? Um, and that's going to lead on to in the future talking about, um, am I truly saved? Or if I've been given grace and salvation, can I lose that and be unsaved? So we're going to look at that uh, in a subsequent video, probably. And um, yeah, but today we're going to concentrate on. Do I need to be worried about doing anything else now that I'm a Christian? So I want to start just by saying that we've kind of jumped over from the general kind of ideas about Christianity, which, you know, I wanted to make as accessible for people as possible. So try to not reduce, but um, not quite use the argumentation from the Bible quite as much because, you know, some people just don't believe necessarily that the Bible is um, is a valid point of argument. But from here, I'm going to presume that you've kind of taken that step and you now have um, at least a, a belief that the Bible is worthwhile. So we're going to be looking at some biblical evidence today for some of the arguments. Um, also, just to say that, and this is a reminder for us all, really, that um, we, coming into these types of discussions, we have our own pre-existing opinions about things. Um, these are what we might call presuppositions. We we bring them into our discussions because we believe them from way back in the past, could be any time really, but um, yeah, we. It's useful to be aware of these things, um, to be aware of your own, so that we're not letting our presuppositions rule our interpretation of the Bible. But it's also helpful just to be aware that we all come from different places. We have different ideas, opinions about things, and that allows us just to be charitable and gracious to others who have different thoughts on some of these things. So. You know, off the bat, some of mine are the fact that I'm a I'm a Protestant Christian, uh, an evangelical Protestant, and um, I have a basically Calvinist view of biblical interpretation. And if that means nothing to you, then please don't worry; it, you won't need to know. But if you do, uh, well, uh, yeah, now you know. <laughs> that's 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 where I stand, and and that's what I think. And we we might touch on a little bit of that throughout this video, but thought it was worth just just get laying down to, to get us going. So into it then, um, is there anything else that I need to do? Once I become a Christian, is there anything else? And these things that um, people might think that you might have to do, I'm going to refer to as works or good works. That's generally how the Bible refers to them. Um, and my basic argument is that no, we you don't have to do any good works to earn any part of your salvation. And that is where we are going to lift off and 
this is you know this is the great gift of the protestant reformation really is beforehand and still to this day to an extent the the roman catholic church required a lot of you after you had kind of made that commitment and you had to kind of maintain things but um i want to start just by uh showing you a, a very short clip from a film called uh, american gospel in christ alone um it's an illustration of these types of ideas and it's it's a root versus fruit analogy of salvation so um i just want to you know shout out the film um american gospel there's there's two so far two films been made there's a third coming out they are brilliant they are so good uh they're really well made they have a plethora of amazing scholars pastors but normal people as well sharing their experience so can't recommend that highly enough. Uh, you can get that on Apple TV. You can watch that on Amazon Prime. Um, and there's also a free chapter of the first film on YouTube. Um, so you can go and watch the first 40 minutes, I think, of the film for free on YouTube and on their website. Um, the website is uh, americangospelfilm.com. Um, I'll post all the links in this description. And um, big shout out to Brandon Kimber, who is the the man behind American Gospel, you're doing great work. So, um, yeah, let's watch that film together now. How do we know if, if faith is real if there's no works? Doesn't the Bible say faith without works is dead? And so don't we have to do works to be saved? Isn't that the argument? Is that what we have to be doing? But there's two understandings of that, and one's biblical, one's not. So the Roman Catholic view of salvation, and really any works-based system of salvation, takes works and puts it at the root and says that works plus your faith in Jesus is what produces salvation. But the Bible teaches that it's not the root, it's actually the fruit, that your faith alone in Jesus, that is what saves. And then a, a life that has been saved, a sanctified, regenerated heart produces fruit, the fruit of good works. And so you know a person's been saved because of their fruit, but the fruit is not the reason they're saved. They're saved by God by grace through faith in Christ. So this formula that we have is grace equals salvation plus works. Grace being the operating element in this function. And what you are left with is being the state of being saved, salvation, and good works that come alongside that. Not grace plus works equals salvation. Salvation is what we want. Obviously, being saved is what we want because that's what qualifies us for heaven. Um, but the distinction between grace and works, so grace comes from God. Grace doesn't come from us. We are not in a position to give grace because it's not our laws that we've transgressed. It's God's. And works come from us. So we are the doers of works. Um, and... I can't stress just how monumental this is and how monumental it was in the Reformation and since um, it's a total paradigm change from the Roman Catholic way of looking at salvation. Um, this way of faith by grace leading to salvation without any need for works is, is such an assurance. It's such a a security and I think it just maximizes the love that God has shown us in this situation um, that you know we don't have to be good God is good for us 
Um, Paul says in Romans that you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and uh, you look at you look at Martin Luther, who was the, the kind of the guy who sparked the Reformation. Uh, he tied himself up in knots. He um, he spent hours in the confession box, um, poring over small details of his life. And there was this there was this basic view of how to get to heaven and um in a nutshell it's that you have to do your best you have to do your best works and you will be you'll be fine basically um and we'll get into that a little bit in a minute just by looking at the other side of the argument so you know luther could have spent so much more time going out reaching helping the poor um doing charitable work and yet he spent these hours and hours Pouring over every detail of his life, as I say. So just don't let that be you. Um, there's an opportunity for release uh, from stress and anxiety over doing things and having to be a good person all the time. Um, that's not what grace is about. Grace is so much bigger. Um, so, yeah. Okay, let's get into a few Bible verses. And uh, we're going to start off in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. Where are we? Here. Which reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so this is Paul writing to the Ephesian church, saying that salvation comes from God. Um, and this is so that there's no bragging. Basically, there were there were, there were people saying, "Well, I'm a I'm a I'm a great Christian, and so um, obviously my works are good." Or, um, but actually, it goes against the other way as well. So that you know, no one may boast, but also you don't have to feel like you have to worry. Where people do boast about how good they are, that could lead some people to think, "Well, yeah, they they do look good, and I'm I'm nowhere near as good as them. So how could I be?" How could I be in the same category as them? Paul is saying, no, this this is wrong. And this is what I think the Bible is teaching us um, in this regard too. Uh, second passage we're going to look at is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 10, which reads, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And he's talking about people who were bad-mouthing him. Basically, they were saying mean things. Um, but he's saying, I don't care. Um, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. So, again, Paul is just saying that he's talking about himself after he became a Christian. And he's saying that even after, and he's doing these good things, he's working hard, but he doesn't get any credit in that. There's no, there's no credit to him in that situation. It's, it's all credit to God. It's God doing those good works through him. And it's, it's kind of like if you think of when you passed your driving test, if you were to go around and say, well, I'm such a good driver, and you were trying to give yourself all the credit or how good a driver you are. Well, it's not really you. 
It's you you haven't become a good driver just by sitting in a car and, and doing it. You had a driving instructor, whether that be a, a professional instructor or a family member. And actually the credit really goes down to them for teaching you how to drive. And that's what Paul is saying, that we become a Christian. Uh, we could be tempted to think that it's because I'm such a good person. And all these things that I'm now doing make me such a good person and a good Christian, but it's not. It's God doing that work in you. And that is, again, so that you don't boast. Um, Augustine, um, he had a favourite passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying that, um, what do you have that you did not receive? And what he's trying to say is that you don't have anything without God. God has given you everything. So who, so who are you to boast about what you have? Because it was given to you. It was a gift. Um, and I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> so um, the final one that we're going to look at in this little sequence, and I'm going to give you a couple more after that. But um, So we're going to look at Romans 3, from 23 through to 28. So that's the end of this little pericope. Um, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, oh, sorry. He has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And I'll stop there. So again, Paul is saying, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the standard, and we are justified by his grace as a gift. We haven't earned it. The definition of a gift is that it's unmerited. It's just because he wanted to give it. And it's through Jesus, who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Don't worry about that word. That just means that Jesus stands in place of us. We are kind of substituted and we stand behind Christ. So um, his blood covers us and we receive that by faith. Uh, verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. We can't boast because it's a gift. And... We've been given it by grace, by the law of works, no, but by the law of faith. We are justified by faith apart from works of the law. So again, Paul is just saying, guys, this, this isn't us. <laughs> it's all God. Um, and you are justified. And that word justified is, is a legal term. And that's what we mean when we're saved. We're justified before God. We're we're um if, I mean, if you're justified in an argument, it means that you're seen to be right, but we're not seen to be right within ourselves. It's it's Jesus which justifies us and his and his sacrifice. So, yeah, I mean, th there's three passages there. Um, if you want to go and have a look at a few more, you could have a look at Romans uh, chapter eight, verse 30. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, 8 to 10. Um, I won't go through them now for the sake of time, but yeah, feel free to go away and do that. So it's by unmerited grace alone. There's nothing on the left-hand side of that equation that we saw earlier. Um, and you will see good works. And I think that that was made clear also in that little um, clip that we saw, that good works will happen. It's the fruit. It's what comes of genuine repentance. It's not what gives you salvation. It's what comes out of salvation from those who have genuine repentance. Okay, so there are going to be people who disagree and that's fine <laughs> that they disagree um but i think they're wrong <laughs> but obviously because um i think that i i understand it in a, and and this is where potentially some of my presuppositions i need to just be aware of them i am a protestant and i've grown up in a protestant environment but having looked at that and trying to be then impartial and, and you know using passages like the ones we've just looked at i think that Protestant view suits what scripture says in the best way possible. It fits reality and what I see to be right. So let's have a think. Um, so the Catholic Church, for example, um, the Catholics would say that there are things that you require to maintain your salvation. So there's a nuance here. So we are saved by faith through grace, but once you're there, you kind of have to maintain this level of salvation. And you do that by taking communion, which which they call the Eucharist. Um, you do that by going and confessing your sins and you'll confess and the priest will tell you how many rosaries you have to say and how many times you have to um, say the Our Father, uh, which is the Lord's Prayer for, for those who aren't familiar with that terminology uh, and giving financially to the church and to the poor. That could be something else which you're asked to do. Um, and if you don't do those things, they say, you, you're in danger of like sinking away from the church, fading away from, uh, from what is considered to be the body of the church. And, and they might use passages like James 2, where, where James says that faith without works is dead. Uh, they might use Philippians to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and, you know, I, I can see why they would use that. Um, but, and, and also there's another biblical argument that they might use where the Bible talks about this group of people called the apostates. And an apostate is just a word which means like fallen away. So people who have fallen away from the church. Um, who were once saved, but have not, they're not anymore because they've just allowed their salvation to kind of lapse, I suppose. Um, so what I'd say to these arguments is, I think we need to make a distinction between two sets of people. You've got some who will have a, an intellectual agreement with what Jesus has done, facts about Jesus, who he was, that he died, he was resurrected. I agree, okay, that those facts are true. Um, and I might even believe various facts within the Bible as well. And I, th I think it's true. And in my mind, that makes sense. As a rational being, it makes sense to me. That's the one category. 
The second category is for those who have allowed Jesus to become Lord of their life and they can actually do now nothing else than serve Jesus and do what he commands. Um, we might describe their heart having been changed by the Holy Spirit so that their their whole life and their whole being goes from doing this and wanting this to doing this. And this is what Jesus wants. This is Jesus' commands. This is what the Bible tells us to do. When we see a true transformation, you will see that big change in people's lives. Um, now the first group might appear to be Christians and they might set about to do what the Bible says and they may crack on and be good at that. But you've got to look at the longevity, I suppose, of those things and where you start to see those people fall away and perhaps they've started going to church and have stopped or they believe but they can't get rid of something that they were doing they're living their life in a certain way they don't want to stop doing that you've got to start asking the question about whether that true transformation has really occurred in that person and you know this this is this can be really sad you've got friends perhaps who this has been the case for devastating in some cases where people might have been doing this for years in their life but something happens and they say I can't deal with that anymore. That's that's just too much for me to handle. This is too much of a requirement for me to live by. I'm going to just reject all of this now. The Bible says that these people, it was never really true for them in their heart. And I, I've known people like this. They've They've come into the church, the requirements that they've they've been enthusiastic and the requirements have just been too large and they've said I, I can't do this and so they've they've left again or or people even who have grown up in the church and have a a belief and you know understand things and and recite all of the memory verses and all of the parables the stories but actually when it comes to setting their life in order to live it in accordance with how Jesus tells us we should they they just can't they can't do it and it's it is so sad I've, and i've had friends i've got friends who are in that position uh family members even who are in that position and my heart cries for them truly and my prayers are for them and will be for them um for as long as i'm able but and this is i think the true meaning of what james is saying in james 2 that faith without works is a dead kind of faith. He's identifying that people might say that they have faith, but unless you see those good works continue on forever, that faith that they've got is is not alive. It's a dead type of faith. And so that would be my interpretation of that passage. Um, and you might look at the parable of the sower. Um, you might have come across that before uh, in Matthew 14 and, and in the other gospels, but uh, if you're not familiar with that, um, the, the sower goes out and sows seeds and it falls in different places. And this is an analogy. It's it's a it's an allegory. Um, and Jesus is very explicit in that this parable is an analogy. So the first place that it falls is the path. And um, in this case, the word is immediately snatched away and they just they just reject, they reject it outright. The second place that it falls is the rocky ground. Um, and this is where people, they receive things with joy, um, 
but there's no root. It doesn't take root, and actually over time it just falls away. And this is where I see people with that kind of intellectual agreement, the assent, but and it, it sounds great, but actually when it comes to it, that there's no root, and so you can't bear a fruit without the root. Um, you've got the third case, which is similar in a way, uh, which is the thorny ground, so that the root um, takes initially, but it says that the troubles of the world um, choke the plants and the roots die. Um, and uh, these thorns are things like money and influence and hobbies um other relationships even that have, people have in their life and you know it's a really common occurrence where like someone in a couple will become a christian because their partner can't get on board with that they they kind of just drift and that stops they can't do that because that relationship is more important to them than what they've heard and so Again, it's a it's a sign that that root hasn't really taken properly and started to grow. Um, and then you have the good soil. And so the final and the fourth one is the good soil. And this is where the root has taken the, the root. It's it's grown and the shoots have come up um, and you see the plant, you see the fruits. And these are the people who have had that word implanted in their lives. Their hearts have been changed. Um, and these good soil people, this, these are the people who, there's no more requirements for salvation. The work is done. It's finished. You, you can be assured in God's presence. And this is, this is the joy of Christianity. It's, this is the salvation by grace through faith, which is the root of salvation that produces good fruit. And that is the fruit of salvation um and praise god praise god that salvation is not dependent on us um it's completely and fully reliant on god um and i praise i praise god because i know that if it was if it was the other way and if i had any part in this i would probably fail and i would lose i would lose my salvation but so I thank and praise God that it's nothing to do with me and it's all to do with God. And um, <laughs> I, that just makes my heart joyful. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you think that you're in that other type, um, it's not too late for you. Um, I would say, and I would encourage you to seek God, pray, ask him to transform your, transform your heart and your life. And you can you can experience this joy and the security um, that I've spoken about already. And if if you're sat watching and and you're not really sure, I'm I'm not sure that I'm in that good soil. Um, I see things in my life that look like thorns, or I feel like I could be in that rocky ground where you know I I had a good start, but I can't see any growth in my life. Um, that's where I'm going to go to next. And that's going to be in a, a next video uh, in part three of what's, what's turned out to be like a little mini series on grace and salvation. But if you're in that camp and you're not exactly sure, you, you want to know, you know, how to identify, how, how can I know that I'm a, I'm a good soil person? How can I identify those fruits in my life? 
stay tuned for video three and that's where we'll be going to next but until then let's try and be a bit more like christ see you then bye